Hello and welcome to another Use of Force. This week we are walking through the Upper Bay and Lower Bay areas of Brooklyn. Included in this area is the Fort Hamilton neighborhood. And the following Use of Force report took place around the Fort Hamilton Parkway subway station. On Thursday, January 3rd, 2013, at approximately 19.32 hours, on a Manhattan-bound N train at the Fort Hamilton Parkway subway station in Brooklyn, two plainclothes officers observed the subject enter a subway car through the emergency exit door in violation of transit authority rules. The officers identified themselves to the subject and requested that he step off of the train with them. The subject walked towards the door of the train, and when he reached it, he turned towards the officers, removed a firearm from his waistband, and fired six rounds at the officers, striking them both as well as a bystander on the train. One of the officers returned fire, striking the subject and causing his demise. One officer sustained gunshot wounds to his leg and scrotum. The other officer was struck in his bullet-resistant vest, and the bystander, who was shot by the subject, sustained a graze wound on the leg. The subject had been arrested 13 times prior to the incident in both New York and Los Angeles for crimes including assault in the first degree, criminal possession of a weapon, assault with a deadly weapon, attempted robbery, and possession of a firearm in court. So, a lot to unpack here. Yeah, there really is, and it, after researching it, it just becomes more and more to unpack, and at some point, I even had to just cut myself off from digging into this because it's so layered. But I guess we can start with the, just the incident itself and sort of the reporting on it and how we normally start talking about it. Yeah. So most of the reports that I read about this were matched what the use of force report said. There were a couple small discrepancies as far as exactly when and how the shooting occurred. So the use of force says that the subject was walking towards the door of the train. Some of the reporting says that it actually happened in between the subway car and the platform as the doors were opening. Mm -hmm. Some of the reporting says that it happened just this, uh, that this person just stood up and seemed as though he was complying and reaching for his wallet, but then actually pulled out a gun. So that's the, there's a little bit of a discrepancy there within reporting, but it's ultimately probably not the most important detail to, to get correct anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we should say that this person's name was Peter Jordan. He grew up in Sunset Park, but at the time of this incident, he was living in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which immediately jumped out at me because that's where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And he had been living there since he was in his 20s. At the time of this incident, he was 37. 
so he had a his youth was in Brooklyn his adult life was mostly in Allentown a bit of time in LA and a bit of time going back and forth between Allentown and Brooklyn and I guess I'll just talk a little bit about his history because I think the typically we would just talk about the incident itself because there's not usually a lot of information about the people involved but in this case there actually is a lot of information because Peter Jordan's family did quite a number of interviews and seemed to be really involved with him while he was alive in trying to get him help for different things. So, like I said, he grew up in Sunset Park. He, by all reports, had a fairly average childhood mm -hmm. playing sports and being involved with spending time with family, cousins, whatnot. A lot of his cousins were interviewed and said that they remember their childhood with him fondly. At some point in his late teens or early 20s, he had a violent interaction with a neighbor that was over a noise complaint and ended up going to Sing Sing for two years. And then when he returned from prison, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And there, from there, kind of a whole string of interactions with law enforcement. He ended up going out to L.A., having legal issues out there. Ultimately, coming back to the East Coast. And one of his cousins set him up with an apartment in Allentown. Mm-hmm. And he was living in Allentown between this apartment downtown and then at some point moved into the West End Hotel on Chu Street, which is a hotel that's more like a long-term boarding house and space where people that are transient live it also has a history of drug busts and is well known for being an area where you know people sell drugs and and involve themselves in that type of activity mm -hmm. and i'm saying all of this because the main thing that the family was upset about aside from their obviously their family member being killed by the police was that everyone in the family knew that Peter Jordan was suffering from mental illness. He was a paranoid schizophrenic. He had had over a dozen run-ins with the police and they had tried to get him into mental institutions, but no one would keep him because he wasn't proving himself to be a danger either to others or himself. But he also had this record that would have not made it possible for him to obtain a weapon. So a big question was, where 
did this gun come from? Right. And according to what we know, it was acquired from a neighbor or a pair of neighbors? Yeah. So the family members that were interviewed didn't know how this connection was made exactly, but it seems as though it might have been made while Peter was living at the West End Hotel, which is only just about five blocks from the 1600 block of Linden Street, which is where Tracy Martin and Marie Hines lived. They had illegally bought multiple guns at an Army-Navy in Whitehall. And the reason it's illegal is because they filled out the paperwork incorrectly. They filled it out saying that they would be the only ones using it. It would be locked in a safe. But Tracy Martin ended up trading the gun for crack with Peter Jordan. Mm -hmm. So the, the assumption is that they knew each other just from the neighborhood and since that hotel that he was staying at is kind of known for being a place where drug trades happen, it seemed to be the, the most likely way that they would have known each other. Right. And then they ended up serving jail time, or one of them ended up serving jail time, and the other received probation. Yeah. But not really significant It wasn't jail time. significant at all. No, Tracy Martin served or was, was sentenced to seven months in jail. I believe the sentencing happened in 2016, three years after the NYPD incident occurred. And then Tracy was, after the seven months in jail, sentenced to three years of supervised release. Whether or not he served that entire time or not is unclear. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Marie Hines was just given probation yeah and yeah just the fact that i'm from this area i think maybe that's part of why i felt like there was so much more to learn because i'm also very familiar with a lot of these places and Mm -hmm. the different town names and whatnot and Mm -hmm. marie hines worked as a nurse's aide at cedarbrook nursing home which you know that's just just another layer of yeah complication to this whole thing Mm -hmm. this so cedarbrook nursing home is it's just a place that i'm familiar with in pennsylvania and yeah just thinking that there's someone buying illegal guns and a part a partner of someone that has a problem with crack has a three-year-old child with that person and then goes and works at the nursing home during the day. It sort of just points to, in addition to, you know, the, the main incident that we're talking about here, there's just so many different levels of complicated lives that we're seeing lived. Yeah. And it seems like, I don't know if I have the words for it, but there's something just so strange about this woman working at a nursing home, providing some sort of care, 
for people when she's so intimately connected with multiple different people that need to be provided care. Mm -hmm. As in, why didn't she help them? Or, I mean... No, no, just as in, how is it that our society is structured in this way where it's like we all need we all need some sort of help and what and what type of help we need is prioritized so being old and being in a nursing home is a very clear obvious type of help that we all agree on but then having a crack addiction we don't necessarily all agree that that's help that someone needs as in the case of Tracy Martin here and then being a paranoid schizophrenic and the case of Peter Jordan, in this incident, there was no help for him. Mm -hmm. And these are all ultimately just part of the human condition. It's not anyone's choice here. It's not Peter Jordan's choice to be a paranoid schizophrenic. It's not Tracy Martin's choice to be addicted to crack. And it's not the people living at the nursing home's choice to be old and sick and need in need of care. But we only really prioritize one of those. I think it's easier for people to see themselves in that state than it is to see themselves in a state of mental illness or drug addiction. Yeah. So yeah, there's the obvious issue of mental health not being appropriately cared for in this story, which is not an uncommon instance in these use of force reports. Mm -hmm. The behavior of the police in this instance, as far as I can see, is in line with what I would expect them to do, not in a cynical way, but in a doing their job sort of way, if we're getting the proper story. Mm -hmm. I. It's the version of the police narrative that I think comes from the police side and has merit and we should, we as a society should be aware of when we're having these discussions, which is they get all of the failures to deal with, all of the failures of the systems, not Peter Jordan as a failure, but just the systemic problems that would relate to this particular situation right and that should be divided up it shouldn't exclusively be the police and we should be solving them it's a kind of a two-pronged thing where there should be more robust departments dealing with mental illness and then things like you know gun control that makes sense I don't personally feel that it's that gun control is a as cut and dry as just get rid of all the guns. I think that you if you were to do that, you would create a black market for guns and mm -hmm. it's not really the problem. I don't think gun ownership is really the problem. The problem is that we do not diagnose and care for the people that have mental health issues that create the issues with the guns in most times. Right. So. 
Right. Well, on this, if if we are going to talk just briefly about gun control, in this particular case, the gun in question was a 9mm handgun. Marie Hines bought the gun because Tracy Martin wasn't able to buy the gun because he had previous record that wouldn't allow him to buy the gun. Over the course of, I believe it was two years, Tracy got the record that wouldn't allow him to buy the gun cleaned and took over ownership of that gun. Mm -hmm. Then sold it on an underground market for crack. Yeah. So there's multiple steps there that aren't working in my mind. Right. The last one I think is the one that is the hardest to solve, the underground market of selling. You know, once it is in someone's hands legally, what's to say that what they're going to do with it afterwards? But it's a little confusing to me how this person, you know, this person's partner bought the gun for them and then they were able to transfer ownership because they got rid of this record that previously said they couldn't. So yeah, I don't know. It's very complicated. I haven't spent any time thinking about this other than right now. But when I do think about, you know, what a place like prison is for, you know, versus any types of rehabilitation interventions, it feels like selling arms is definitely a place that people should go to if they're selling a weapon. I, I, I feel like severe mm -hmm. penalties for something like that should be around. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think that there, are, there aren't even a lot of these situations where I think people are dealing arms underground as a way to even like support their family or something, you know, where it's like, these are isolated incidences where people are getting rid of a, a gun that they thought was cool and then, you know, and getting some money for it. Or for, I mean, I, I guess in this instance it was for addiction. Yeah. So maybe you can look at it from that perspective, but. And actually the reason that the sentence for Tracy Martin was so short is because the lawyer proved that they were going to rehab and, you know, felt remorse about it and all the things, you know, yeah. all the things that you would prove in a court. Yeah. Although, obviously, that choice to sell a gun for crack cost, ultimately cost Peter Jordan his life. Yeah. And that decision for... Marie to buy a gun on behalf of Tracy or right. or for herself. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't know, it, you know, do you expand the degree to which a background check in includes other people in the, you know, other people in your orbit of association? I I don't know. Right. If, if 
you know, this was, they were, was Tracy Marie's significant other at that time or just a friend? Or? Yes, it seems like they have a child together. Right. So, but they, they weren't necessarily married. I don't believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I really, I am skeptical of the idea of just totally getting rid of guns because I, I don't know if that would solve all of these issues. Yeah. But, yeah, this is just just continual failures here. Yeah. And if you remove the stigma of drugs and the stigma of mental health, then this is a much less likely situation to happen. You have one addict, you have one person with mental health issues, and then you can still have the gun laws mm -hmm. that are in place, and there's bound to be instances where things just continue to go wrong because that's right. just humanity, but if we're dealing with these other problems in advance, less likely for something like this to happen. Right. And I guess, I mean, you, you use the word stigma, and I do think, I'm sure that that has a lot to do with it because there is definitely a stigma about mental health and addiction. But it didn't seem like there really was that feeling of judgment within Peter Jordan's family. There was an acknowledgement that he was mentally ill, and there was a lot of attention being given looking to figure out a way to help him. Right. And in this case, it was that there, was, there wasn't a way for the family to actually get him involuntarily checked into any sort of mental health facility. Right. Which I'm sure has to do with having a stigma around it in society. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. The idea that our prioritization is based on these notions that people that are addicts got there that way by choice or right. people with mental health issues aren't my problem because they're not going to be productive members of society if we take care of them and I don't have mental health issues. So not even in a malicious way, just I don't have to deal with that. So I don't have any experience with that and I'm not going to spend any of my own mental bandwidth trying to figure that out. Right. There's one thing that I just feel like is worth saying because it is a repeat of something that happens a lot and I feel like I want to put it in this whenever I see it. This was during the time of Bloomberg being mayor and directly after the NYPD incident, he praised the two officers as heroes. Those two cops both went to the hospital and when they were released, there were hundreds of police officers waiting outside in their uniform, as we've seen many times before in this sort of stick together brotherhood mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, I just wanted to make that note mm -hmm. that that did happen here again. I think there's a lot more that we could probably talk about here and we could go deeper into many of these different threads, but 
I think this is plenty to think about for now. And as always, if anyone listening knows anything more about this incident with Peter Jordan or any other incident with, that we speak of in our use of force segment, please let us know. And otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks. Take care.